Hey all, welcome to the Common Good Podcast. Rob, it's Tuesday, September 6th. Summer is over. Stop screwing around, everybody. Knock the sand off your feet, and let's get back to work. Absolutely. Put the white tennis shoes away. Yeah. And unless you're a golfer on the PGA Tour, no more white belts. There are just some yeah. fashion things that I know we've been running fast and loose with in this society for mm-hmm. the last three decades. But it's time to return to some post-Labor Day decorum. And there's a democracy to save and uh, and some fashions to, to, to Doug, Doug, do you have white do you have white pants? Do you own white pants? Oh, I, oh of course I own white pants. Yeah. What else, you know, how else does a person enjoy a, a leisurely summer afternoon? You're not gonna wear a pair of white pants. Yeah. I do not yeah, own, I own white I, pants. I own white jeans, even. Sometimes I pair them with my white tennis shoes, but all that's put away for at least another, oh, yeah. you know, nine months, because we're pa- we're past Labor Day. Uh, but still, I look outside, and this is the glory. This is the season, man. It's just uh, a perfect day in Minneapolis. Still sweltering and uncomfortable in Arkansas. And how's the weather? You know, it's it's yeah, it's starting to come down a little bit. Uh, still pretty muggy, but uh, you know, I w- woke up the other morning. Maybe it was Labor Day, maybe, or or the Sunday before. I don't remember which. But said to Vanessa, I'm like, did it rain last night? Because everything was just you know damp and moist, and it just was like, what is you know what is this? And we walked over by our by our cucumber uh, plants in our garden and picked several gigantic cucumbers, which gave us the indication that maybe it had rained the night before because that just, you know, explodes the cucumbers because they're mostly water anyways, right? Cucumbers load up their water overnight if it rains, like instantly, like a sponge. All I... I don't. I, I don't know. I don't. I, listen, I am not. A, I am not a botanist. This clear. is a question. <laughs> I don't think the size of your cucumber is dictated by the amount of rain that evening or that. that well, night it, all I know is that there were not cu- cucumbers of unusual size, and then there were the day before. Yeah. Hey, um, Rob. There is so much going on, and it's a good thing we're hitting the road. By the way, little programming note here: the Vote Common Good effort is going to come from your computer screen to a town near you if you live in. Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Arkansas, Texas, Iowa, maybe Kansas, um, those kinds of places. We're going to be hitting the road. So some of our scheduling is going to be a little off from when we do our podcasts and live streams. So stick with us, your friends, including we're adding in electionary starting next Tuesday. Electionary is our fun little play on both religious term, the lectionary, which is the order or the content structure of material for church services, the lectionary. But we have elections coming, so we do this little program. We call electionary on Tuesday nights, starting next Tuesday. And Rob, both this, if we do this podcast and that electionary are going to come from uh, from the White House, because I'm going to be at the White House next Tuesday uh, at a little affair to celebrate, recognize, turn attention to the Inflation Reduction Act. Um you know, a whole gathering of people, probably elderly folks, us get invited to White House things. So we're going to also be talking probably in private conversations about inflammation reduction and what could you do to cause your joints not to be so sore <laughs> at night. But then after that, we'll talk about Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, uh, as the head of Common Good, I get invited to, to go celebrate the White House. So we'll be coming to you all from there 
uh, next Tuesday. All that to say, look for many occasions for us to be giving you uh, insights into the work that we're doing around the world, around the world, around the country, and candidates that we're, uh, that we're meeting and supporting as we travel. So yep. lots of details coming on that in coming weeks here as we uh, take our faith, hope, and love not insurrections and Christian nationalism tour on the road. Yeah. You know, now is, it, it's really the time that Labor Day is kind of the unofficial start of the campaign season. Uh, you know, one of the things that I think is really unfortunate is just how long the political season is. You know, you, you've got in other countries, you know, and, and, and I know you have, you know, thanked God that we're not, we don't have a parliamentary system here in the United right. States. And I, I agree with you on that. One of the imagine. upsides though, one of the upsides, one of the, you know, if we, we think about, you know, whatever is true, whatever is good, whatever is right, think on these things. Um, one of the upsides of the par parliamentary system is that the a, a campaign season only lasts about six weeks. And it's not, it does not drag on for years and years and years. And I, and I think that that's a, a good thing. Now it's got that ha in and of itself, like everything that in and of itself has its downsides because, mm -hmm. you know, in a system like ours, it would make it a lot harder for, um, you know, a, a unknown first time grassroots kind of candidate to, you know, break through in such a short period of time. However, man, the political fatigue is a real thing and people feel it. So Labor Day is kind of the unofficial start that like, okay, yeah. now people, everybody's back to school. My kids went, my, Kid went back to school a couple weeks ago, but everybody's back to school now. You know, it's kind of Labor Day is kind of the, it's like a like a New Year kind of thing where people yeah, are fun's over getting right. getting serious, and you know we've got a few weeks before we head into the holiday season, so we're going to pretend like you know we're paying attention to everything, and uh, it's and true. So, it's just a constant you know, flow of holidays. I mean, literally, oh, you seriously. can't get through a, through a Labor Day weekend before somebody's talking about you know. What what are you going to do for Thanksgiving? How are your how are your holiday plans coming together? It's just it yeah keeps coming. Yeah. Hey, last week, Rob, uh, the president of the United States, duly elected and most winning uh, presidential candidate in the history of all times, Joe Biden, uh, laid down the gauntlet and said Ooh. in a primetime speech that, I, as you have uh, stated, you are a big fan of his speech that. There is a decision to be made by Republicans. Are they going to be on this MAGA train or are they going to be what he termed mainstream Republicans? And I think it raises a big question on two sides. One is, look, look is, he, is this a fair criticism to say that Republicans need a, a moment of clarity and need to decide to be MAGA or mainstream? The other is, is there anything close to a mainstream Republicanism at all anymore? That's a that's a real argument. Joe Biden made the point, oh, there is. He said, I know these people. We work with them. We understand them. You can join that side. And he seemed to be saying, be against insurrections, be for democracy, be positive about democracy, stop election denying, and stop attacking law enforcement at the federal level who's, who are trying to put the laws of the federal government into place. Those are basically the four things. 
do those <laughs> it's and a very low bar. <laughs> So low, and so many Republicans are like, yeah, yeah, but you said uh, the people that voted for Trump, so therefore 71 million people who voted for Trump are all MAGA. And this pearl-clutching shock of Republicans, like, I cannot believe that you're putting our little sweethearts uh, under such a strain that you would suggest that all of us support insurrectionists attacking the FBI and the Justice Department, election-denying and, you know, just generally being against democracy when it doesn't go your way, you only support elections that you win, that somehow they're under some great strain. What I heard Biden say was, I'm not going to tell you if you're a MAGA Republican, MAGA Trump supporter, you decide if you are. Like, why do Republicans think that everybody else should have to parse out if they're Trump-supporting, MAGA-supporting, insurrectionist-supporting, think we should pardon the convicted uh, uh, felons of the insurrection, why should we all have to parse that out? How come Republicans don't take a little personal responsibility upon themselves to say, no, that's not who I am. I, I'm I'm part of a part of a mainstream movement. The, the reaction to Biden's uh, speech, which has been so aggressive tells me it hit a nerve. Like these people Mm -hmm. don't want this contrast to be the contrast that the American voter has in their mind when they walk into their uh, fall election season. We have to recognize that there is um, a a spectrum. There's a a spectrum in both parties and it it, it exists. Um, and, And that's not to say there's any kind of moral equivalency because I don't think there is. Just an observation that like in both parties, there is, you know, there's some real variation of belief. I, you know, AOC famously said that if, if she was, if we were in Europe, um, you know, she and Joe Biden wouldn't be in the same political party. And, and there's some, there's some truth to that. Um, and so on the Republican side, they're like, I, I see so often that, um, I hear this so often that my Republican friends think Democrats are monolithic and super strategic and unified and, you know, just brilliant in figuring out what to do and devious in their strategies. And my Democratic friends think the same thing about Republicans. Yeah, and, totally. you know, the totally. Republicans are all in lockstep and they've got it figured out and they're five steps ahead of Democrats in so many ways. And and the reality is, I, I don't think either is true. Um, so ye, I, all that to say, absolutely, there is, there are MAGA Republicans and there are ultra MAGA Republicans and and there are... Republicans that don't ascribe to Trumpism and want the party to move on. And it has nothing to do with who you voted for. Yeah. Um, because <clears throat> certainly things have changed uh, for many people. And, and we would argue like, what, you know, why didn't, like, why didn't you see the light before January 6th? Right. Um, you know, Liz Cheney, Adam, Kissinger and and a whole host of others, but you know some people saw, they 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 can only be on the Damascus Road when they are on the Damascus Road. Yeah, you know, like their, you can only have line. Those yep, those weren't the things that that they felt violated yep. their 
political conscience. Yeah. So we, you have to realize, like, you, like there absolutely is a spectrum. In Wyoming, you know, Liz Cheney lost her congressional uh, re-election bid in the Republican primary, but she got like thirty-seven percent of the vote. And 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 while that's a like that's a shellacking, but that is a one in three Republican voters in yeah. Wyoming are not okay yeah. with you know like and, and so yeah, you, right and like two thirds are yeah and that might be the yeah. country right that might be the country yeah. among Republicans two thirds go for Trump and they go for the um I'm uh, I, I, I was working up some phrasing the election denying insurrection supporting law and order attacking democracy downgrading movement that is the the MAGA movement. Because as you say, January 6th is the big day for that. All of those things that we're mentioning there, election denying all came after the election, right? So anybody voted for Trump in November of 2020, they didn't yet know that this was a guy who was literally going to say, I don't support this election's results. So if you need a pivot, you can say, I was for him at the time of the election. I'm not for him now because he's not accepting the election results. There's a rationale. The second, mm -hmm. insurrection supporting. And look, Donald Trump, Rob, this week said on a radio interview, you'd pardon him. I am paying for the legal bills of people who have been convicted <laughs> for attacking the U.S. Capitol. And if you make we me just, president, we just hit a I we will just hit the pause. Them. Can we just hit the pause button on that? Doug, do you believe for one moment that Donald Trump is paying the legal bills of people who are, are being forked over you know, charged? Yeah, he he no, hasn't paid his own no. legal bills. He hasn't paid his own legal bills. <laughs> but he said that he's... Did you he hear that? Did you did you watch that interview? I, I mean, I, I almost suggested that we, that we you know, have some audio from that. Did he sound drunk to you? He sounded yes. drunk to me, like slurring well, this, his words. It was the worst I've ever heard him sound. I thought, oh, is he drunk? What is going on? Yeah, this, this he gets that thing, which you know, to, all of us know too much about the proclivities of Trump's speech patterns. But this is one of them. You're absolutely right. He, he whatever mode he's in, whatever medication he's on, whatever uh, time of day it is, he gets that real slurry and just says the the most bizarre things. So there's clearly something, you know, man, woman, camera, Apple, that's going on here in this uh, in this thing. Trump said, "I support the insurrectionists. I will mm -hmm. pardon them. What's being done to them is a terrible thing. These are great patriots." So look, if you're a Republican, or if you have Republican friends and families and loved ones, you can just ask them, "Do you support?" the insurrectionist the way Donald Trump does? And if they say, no, of course not, I don't think those people were patriots, then you can say, okay, then there's your dividing line. Admit that you're not a, a Trump mega, mega person. If you don't think attacking the Justice Department and the FBI for their normal course of affairs by calling them monsters and, and uh, what was it, scandalous and, and evildoers, if, if that's not what you think, <laughs> then go ahead and say that. But don't mm -hmm. make everybody else have to like parse out, oh, hang on a minute. I need to separate out which Republicans when I talk about the MAGA Republicans and constantly qualify. 
well, I know this isn't all of them. Jump out yourself and admit that it's not you. Go ahead and say it. And any candidate that's like, I cannot believe that Joe Biden was putting all of us in the same category. He most explicitly was not. Right. I'm not sure I could even, I can go as far as that with people in elected office at the federal level. It's really hard to find people who will speak out against Trump on this. And if you want to say, well, I'm not for him, can you at least stand opposed to the things that he said? Are you comfortable enough being opposed to those things? It's not at all clear. So this is a moment of clarity for, for Republicans. And even people who voted for Trump, and even people who might say they're going to vote for him again. This has been the thing that has been eternally frustrating to me, is that the people who are going to vote for him somehow have to say, well, those things don't matter, or I don't pay mm -hmm. attention to those things. Like, I'm no one's therapist, certainly not someone's political therapist. But my advice is, if you're somebody who wants to vote for Trump or you know somebody who wants to vote for Trump, encourage them to take in the full counsel of Donald Trump and say, even looking square-eyed at all of those things, I'm still going to vote for him. If that's your deal, fair enough. Have at it, right? That's what you do. But don't act like, well, I don't pay attention to his tweets. I don't pay attention to the things he's... All I pay attention to is his policies. Okay, if you choose to be the kind of voter who pays no attention to what the candidates that you're going to vote for say and do, you only care about the policies that they vote for, then go ahead and say that. Say, it doesn't matter to me what they do. It doesn't matter to me how they live. It doesn't matter to me how they treat people. None of it matters. All I am doing is voting for a party. And this candidate is simply the vehicle to putting that part that party in in power. Fair enough. There's not a Republican I know who thinks that and says that. No one right. takes that deal. They all say, "Well, I no, 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 I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go that far." I think it's exactly how far you've gone. Like that is precisely it. And and the honestly, Rob, this is the thing that gets me. The difference between people on the right, and I have a lot of friends who just, they could repeat every word we say on this podcast about Republicans and just insert the word Democrat. They could just about mm -hmm. take every word we say about Donald Trump and just insert Joe Biden or what they'd prefer to do mm -hmm. is insert Hillary Clinton. It's just one for one swapping all the time. They say the same thing. They say, you all are the election deniers because you don't want to look clearly at how the election was stolen. You are the people who support the kind of insurrection because you allowed a false president to be uh, installed into office. You're the kind of people who don't care about law and order because you didn't condemn Portland and Seattle activities in the summer of 2020. You're the kind of people who are downgrading democracy because you uh, want to allow this kind of travesty to continue. They, they're just fully there, mm -hmm. right? That's that's where the thing is, and I know they say the same thing, and I know a bunch of them listen to this, so feel free to chat it out uh, uh, privately or publicly here. Everything you are saying is innuendo about Democrats. Mm -hmm. Everything we're saying about Donald Trump is because of things he has literally said and done. Like, I am not saying he supports insurrectionists 
because I think Donald Trump called them there and has been quiet about it. I'm saying he supports insurrectionists because he said, I'm paying their legal bills and I would look at pardoning them. That's why. I am not saying that Donald Trump doesn't believe the election was fair because he's kind of hinted and winked at that or followed the laws as they were presented before them in Congress and from state, uh, every state that gave its electors. I'm saying because Donald Trump says the election was a lie and the election was a fake and the election was not. And valid. he should and he should be installed as president immediately. <laughs> and he should be installed. And honestly, the and, and the law and order stuff, like contrasting what went on in social uh, uh, movement uh, protests of 2020 with attacking the Capitol to try to stop the legitimate in, install of uh, the next president through the electoral college. If you can create a one-to-one -one on those, feel free. And if you think that anybody is like, hey, everybody that attacked the city of Minneapolis, you know, and burned down buildings, well, I, I call them patriots. That's what I call them. No one's saying that, partly because the people who did it were also right-wing agitators. They're actually in jail. So the very same people. And then for Lindsey Graham to come out and say last week, if Donald Trump is prosecuted for this crime after what Hillary Clinton did, there's going to be riots in the street. Well, I don't understand something, Rob. Maybe you can help me get this. Why does Lindsey Graham think that Antifa is going to riot in the streets? Because he can't be referring to Republican Trump supporters are going to riot, right? Do you, do you think right. Lindsey Graham was saying that, oh, the people who will riot are Republicans, are Trump supporters? Is, is he suggesting somehow that are, Trump they're prone to rioting? Because I thought that he was saying that Antifa are the people who riot. So, I'm a little confused why there would be riots in the street if the former president of the United States was convicted of a crime that he is found guilty of. Why would, oh, Lindsey Graham is telling us that Republicans would riot in the streets. He doesn't want them to, he said. Oh, oh no, I mean, I'm not advocating. I'm just telling you they're going to. Why does he think that what Republicans will do when law and order is followed, is to riot. Why are Republicans, according to Lindsey Graham, so opposed to law and order that they will riot in the streets? Can you be a party that says we're for law and order, but our people will riot in the streets? So these are the choices that people have to make. And for the life of me, why the dozens of commentators and the and the multiple dozens of friends of mine that have been like, well, boy, Biden sure really isn't the uniter in chief on this one. Like, yeah, he is. He's like, you have a choice to make. Whose side are you on? You know what I want to do? Mm -hmm. I want to unite the people who are going to support our elections, who are going to stand against an insurrection, who are going to be protecting of our legal system and are going to say yay for democracy. That's what I'm going to do. Bring those people together. I, I, this is just the idea that the rest of us have to run around and try to uh, careful talk Republicans. I just, I, yeah. I, okay. Just, just one more rant. Cause I've been waiting days for this. I mean, oh, we had go, it yesterday. Go, I wanted go. to do this yesterday. I hear, I hear tough guy MAGA supporters all the time. Be like, 
Hey, don't be mm-hmm. such a bunch of whip, uh, such a bunch of uh, willowing flowers at everything. I mean, just because someone says something doesn't mean you have to. Oh, oh, really? And then you get called a MAGA supporter, and you're like, "How dare you?" I mean, I cannot believe it. You can't say that. Why all of a sudden are they so worried about what anybody says about them? I thought I thought the whole thing was, "Hey, stop getting your feelings hurt. Hey, toughen up a little bit. Hey, Joe Rogan, this thing. Hey, why don't you be somebody with a little more with with a little more spine? How come you're such a willowing a flower under uh, a snowflake? What? How come your feelings get hurt so easily?" I can't believe in shaky voices that the president of the United States, whom you could not care any less about his opinion, put me in the wrong category. Well, then tell you, tell everybody, make it clear. I do not stand for the insurrectionists. I do not stand for election denying. I do not stand for law and order assaulting. And I do not stand for democracy downgrading. That's what I don't stand for. Should we make a, should we make a yard sign? Would you put that out in your yard just to make it perfectly clear to everybody? I'm going to vote for a Republican, but not because I deny elections and not because I pay for the legal bills. Do you think if Donald Trump is paying for legal bills, Rob, do you think he's paying for it out of the Trump checkbook? Or do you think he's paying for it out of all those dollars that are sent by people who send money to the Make America Great campaigns? I he's, not he's not paying for it either way. No, he's not. I think he would have no problem taking Nancy Joe's money that she sent in because she was trying to protect democracy and giving it to some two-bit lawyer that's that's trying to get a an insurrectionist uh, a limited amount of time in the hokey. Yeah, but uh, but they're not doing a good job. I don't know. You saw the news last week that one of the insurrectionists got ten years in prison, biggest sentence mm-hmm. yet. Um, you know. Mm-hmm. So listen, I couple of things about Joe Biden's speech. I think Joe Biden's speech was the most important presidential speech of my lifetime. Wow. When I th- and that when includes I, Reagan I, for you, an old Reagan guy. Yeah. That includes Mr. Gorbachev tear down this wall. I think Joe Biden's speech was a singular moment for him, a, a complete shift and I think it's it's coming on the heels of a number of policy victories, which kind of gives him the opportunity to to pivot a bit in his the focus of his presidency. I think what mm-hmm. we're going to see now uh, a, a very focused attempt to, in his mind, and and I think he's correct, but in his mind, to preserve democracy, to to save yeah. the country, um, and and I think. I think he thinks the stakes are that high. Um, I agreed with every single word he said in that speech. Mm-hmm. Um, I agreed with his... Th- there are some folks who have given up on Republicans entirely. Um, mm-hmm. And then there are those who can who, who have taken the tact of trying to call some Republicans to be a better version of themselves um, mm. by distinguishing themselves from, you know, the MAGA wing of the party. Um, and, and that's the tack that Joe Biden took. I, I think politically speaking, I, for the president of the United States, that's, that's a good tack to take. Um, mm-hmm. I think people in other positions, commentators, 
maybe even Congress people. I mean, I, I think there are others who could take a different tact, but I think the president of the United States, that's a good tact for him to take. But for me, you know, the, the speech, though I agree with every word, and I think it's the, the most important political presidential speech of my lifetime. I, I mean, the speech is not without criticism. Joe Biden is, he's not Ronald Reagan. He's not Bill Clinton. He's not Barack Obama um, in terms of oratory skill. I felt like the speech really showed his age and it showed um, there was an angry tone, which I think is, I think is justified. Um, this is not a, a tone policing criticism, but it would have been interesting to see that same speech given by someone who um, could bring a little bit tonal variance in it. There wasn't any, there wasn't any kind of like, you know, cresting and crashing like of, of a wave of, you know, of emotion. There wasn't any, you know, kind of movement or disparity, any kind of like, you know, tension and release in the speech. It was all just one tone of anger because of, you know, the, the actions of these folks. Um, and I, and I think that Joe Biden was, you know, is justified in that, um, makes it difficult for other people who are running for office who have taken a different tone. Um, you know, for instance, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's candidates all over the country who have taken a different tone in, in how they're engaging with all of these things, whether it's an optimistic kind of, kind of tone, or it's just, I, I think the president, you know, put those folks in a little bit of a difficult position. I think, you know, a lot has been made about like the staging, the theatrics, the lights, the Marines, the, you know, Hitlerism of it. You know, there's, you know, the so many memes with the fists raised and um, all of that is, is in my mind is ridiculous and distracting and fluff. I am never a fan of either political party, you know, making the Hitler comparisons. I just, I think it's, un, I, I think it's unfair and un, unjustified. Um, it's a little bit like, you know, if you're having a fight with your with your partner, and you use the word always or never, it just immediately the fight becomes about like examples of why the always or never isn't true. You know, it just like it becomes a distraction. Well, you always do this. Well, no, I didn't last week on Tuesday. I boom, boom, boom. You know, you never do this. Well, yes, I I did before. You know the fight immediately gets distracted by always and never it just, just doesn't work in, in the course of helping partners solve problems. I kind of feel the same way about like Hitler comparisons. It's just like, com <laughs> yeah, you have to come, come up with, with reasons, with reasons why Hitler comparisons. Not, 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 I'm, I'm just like, like, that's what we know we're in political struggle. And you're like, can I find an analogy for why we shouldn't use a Hitler analogy? <laughs> Because that would really be, I, th I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. I think those are great points. I, I will say, I think the role Joe Biden should be playing, and I'm glad that he played it, and I think that it was a mistake for him not to have played it before now, 
is he's the singular person who ran against Donald Trump. He's the singular person who is the president of these United States, therefore is elected in an election that's available to all voters in the United States. Everyone else, every other election is only some people. This one mm -hmm. is all the people. This is the perfect tone and the, the, the load that Biden should carry. So I agree with you. Yeah, okay, it may put somebody in down ballot. But what they need to say is, hey, that's what Joe Biden needed to talk about because that's the thing that rests on his shoulders. He has to speak to the entire nation. I'm running for this House seat. I'm running for the Senate seat. I'm running for the State House seat. These are the people that I'm going to talk to about these issues. That difference between what's the role that the president of the United States should play. And I think you are spot on by saying this is the kind of speech that a president of the United States should give because he's the one who can give it. And if the president of the United States doesn't want to raise these issues at a national level, because one of the things that goes along with being president is that you are given the imprimatur to move something up on the docket. This yeah. is why Donald Trump was, in my view, such a horrible executive of the executive branch, because what an executive of any organization, or in this case of a nation, gets to do is to name priorities. That's one of the functions we give to that role. And so when Donald Trump is out doing all the nonsense he was doing for four years as president, you couldn't figure out what was the point. So for Biden to come out and say, look, I want to make this perfectly clear. This choice that now is being made in light of election denying, insurrection supporting, law and order attacking, and democracy downgrading, those actions, I think, are something that have now landed on my desk, and I will address them, and I'm going to address them in whatever mode I think is coming from my heart. And I think what Joe Biden was trying to say, and Tricia said it in the, uh, in the comments here, he's like, look, I've been the across the aisle guy. My pedigree mm -hmm. on being the uniter and across the aisle and don't cut the legs out from your potential um, you know, uh, partner in a negotiation is well-worn. I, I, th those, those paths have been rooted. I've, I know how to walk that path. So when I come out and say this, people should hear this perfectly clearly. That is not yeah. what we're facing right now. So I thought it was just spot on. And I think the reason people are upset is because it hit a nerve. Yep. Man, I think, I, I don't think Republicans came out. I mean, I've watched a couple of friends of mine put up uh, Facebook videos to their own communities. And the panic by which they brought this was, okay, um, we thought that Biden was going to be a, a easy walkover on this stuff. Yeah, a pushover. Push mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I don't think walkover is a phrase, is it? unless you're stepping over like a wounded person. In the I don't know, like a walkabout. Um, <laughs> step over, pushover. They thought he was going to be a, thought he was going to be a pushover on this, and it turns out, yeah, no, 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 he's he's he wasn't a pushover yeah. on this. In yeah. fact, I don't know who schedules their stuff, but the Thursday before Labor Day, taking the point from earlier in the podcast, just before the unofficial start to the election season, before Donald Trump has announced his presidency, before the, the 
uh, Justice Department has, has announced charges. Like that was the window in which to do this. Yeah. And I also think, I think when he heard Lindsey Graham come out and say there's going to be riots in the streets because apparently that's what Republicans do is riot in the streets. And when he heard uh, a senior senator from Iowa say the IRS might be coming with loaded guns to attack small business owners in Iowa, that's why the Inflation Reduction Act put more money in the IRS, not to increase revenue that's not being paid by the wealthiest people, but to come with weapons to small businesses. Did you hear that quote? Yeah, from, yeah, ridiculous. From, uh, 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 what is it? Chuck Grassley. Say, Spectre. Grassley. I mean, literally saying to people in Iowa, oh, oh, see, here's why I have to stand against Biden because they're going to surveil you and then they're going to send IRS agents with, you know, orders to shoot to kill. Like, are, are you out of your mind? So I think the idea that, like, hey, there's the mainstream Republicans and they're the ones in leadership and they're the ones who are going to hold this stuff on, on par, that's not what. Uh, we're seeing out yeah. of these Republicans, what we're seeing out of like the Republicans who are supposed to be and are all going to write their little memoirs about how they save democracy. These people are supposed to be the ones being a voice of reason. And instead, it's just off the hook. When Mitch McConnell yeah. said, I don't have any opinion about what Donald Trump said. No, no, I just, just, just no, no comments on it. Donald Trump has control of all of the money that's mm -hmm. going to fund Senate and House candidates. And again, I have no opinion about what the man says. I have no opinion about what the man does. I'm only concerned about the policies he supports. When, whenever someone can get to that point and say, all politics is to me is policy, I would just love to ask them, give me just four minutes of your greatest policy desires yeah go ahead talk to me about policy because rob you and i have talked to many many people about many many things when it comes to politics <laughs> and do you know what most voters can't do don't want to do and are glad they can't talk, talk for five minutes about more than one policy yeah Really, you got a policy of the interior you're really excited about. You, you, you've, you've really got something on, on workplace OSHA enforcement, and that's that's what you really care about. Oh, if, if what you meant was taxes, if what you meant was, oh, you know, I'm going to vote for Donald Trump, you know, I'm going to support Donald Trump because in 2017 they passed passed a tax bill. Could anybody care any less about the 2017 tax bill? Well, I know, no, I shouldn't say that there are there are many people that are that still feel like that's you know. The sole yep. sole reason for the season on both sides on both sides, yep. but most people Doug, don't uh, care. They just one of the one of the cares about policy. I wish they cared about policy, Rob. Don't you wish yeah. somebody cared about policy? That would Absolutely. be easy. It would yeah. be an easy easy electoral win for people that support the policies that we support because even Republicans support the policies that have been passed by the Biden administration. Most of them support the policies that would come from the far left. If you just ask them about the policies, when you do ask them about those policies, they're like, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I think it should go. And then you say, well, that's a democratic policy. Oh, then I don't, I don't support it. So don't, don't allow people. I mean, look, unless you don't want to have a discussion, but if you're having a political discussion, don't allow people to simply say, oh, I'm just for the policies without at least asking them, Name your top three. 
Remember when the former governor of Texas was running for the presidency in 2016? Yeah. And he wanted to eliminate yeah. six of the six of the departments in the federal government. And then he was asked in a debate, which which are the six you wanted to get rid of? And he started naming them the Department of Education, the Department of uh, the Department of the Interior. Oops. He said, oops. It was like a kid's book. Oops. That's the way most people <laughs> and, who say, I and, support Trump for his policies get when you say, yeah. name four. Um, yeah. Taxes, um, border, uh, oops. Abortion, and oops. Yeah, yeah. abortion. Um, yeah. And, yep. Yeah, and the, uh, I mean, the great, the great end of that story is that um, he became secretary of energy, leading the energy department which was the department he had forgotten in that That's list. The one he could. Which, that was his oops. <laughs> that was his oops. Yeah. So listen, I one of the really interesting things that happened during this during this speech uh, was that the president was heckled during the speech mm -hmm. um, by people who reportedly were repeating repeatedly yelling "F Joe Biden." Um, in at him while he was giving this speech um so you know we didn't get at least from you know the the coverage that i watched we didn't get a sense of like where those people were or how that was happening it's really unusual for a presidential speech of this magnitude to for there to be even the opportunity for the president to be heckled by as he said someone with a bullhorn during the during the course of the speech clearly there was an audience there an audience that that you know politely applauded at various points during the course of the speech um it wasn't a raucous kind of political speech it was you know it was it was a rally there, or there, anything yeah there were folks that clapped at things they agreed with but within earshot of the president and within earshot of the cameras were people protesting and you know chanting f joe biden during the course of the speech which is fascinating for a couple of reasons one because as joe biden was standing up talking about democracy and the need for us to unite and how we have this uh kind of toxic thing that has taken hold of our politics and is you know hurting the country at that very moment there are people screaming into a bullhorn you know doing it fm yeah. um you know yeah. so it was uh you know it's just like exhibit a right here but then how the president you know dealt with it um you know at one point he he mentioned you know something about a you know somebody with a bullhorn another point he he kind of paused and you know cracked a joke about uh um about how you know some people you know have no manners um mm -hmm. and uh and, and he came off kind of a very grandfatherly in how he handled it uh but i but i found that fascinating that at the very moment that he's talking about these things there are those who were essentially proving the point and then you know donald trump himself following up um following joe biden's speech he went to to scranton wilkes-barre yep. Um, and and gave a speech as well. Ha held one of his his rallies um, with Dr. Oz and Doug Mastriano, 
um, two of his his chosen candidates in Pennsylvania who are getting railroaded right now by their opponents. Um, and, uh, and Donald Trump in that speech, you know, proved, you know, the point that Joe Biden was making, you know, with his continual yep. criticism of, of the democratic system and our elections, his continual criticism of anybody who disagrees with him, including, you know, even those Republicans that, I mean, this is the fascinating thing about, about Trump and in MAGA Republicans, whatever percentage they are, they will turn on even their supporters. Like, I mean, Trump, you know, yes. saying Mitch McConnell should be replaced as speaker of the, or is is majority leader of the Senate or minority leader of the Senate. You know, pray to God that he doesn't become majority leader of the Senate again. But you know, Donald Trump is you know, unless there is a a complete matching of of, of loyalty yep. and tone and all of it, there is you know criticism across the board, and uh, it, it's fascinating to me how. Joe Biden comes out and makes this point. Hey, this is dangerous towards democracy. This is a threat to democracy. And and Donald Trump and several of the, you know, his followers come along and their reaction yep. is, how dare you say that? And we're going to threaten democracy. <laughs> you know. It, it yes. really was a, a remarkable Yeah, and it happened again yesterday. Biden yesterday Biden was at a rally event and some people got shouty. And folks were trying to remove him. He's like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't take him out. Don't remove him from the crowd. He said, now I would advise him not to use this phrase, you know, that in America, people have the rights to be idiots, I think is what he said. I don't think calling somebody an idiot is, I think you've, you've sort of undermined your point. But the difference between that and Trump saying, get him out of here. I wish I could punch him in the face. Rough him up a little. This is... This is the difference, right? Do you remember in 2016, somebody was shouting at Trump during a rally uh, and they hauled him out and he said, you know, they're always so nice to him. I want to punch him in the face. And Biden's like, hey, look, they have the right to be here. I think it's idiotic. And I think they have the right to be idiotic if they want to be idiotic or be an idiot. Well, okay, that's, that's a thing. And what I think is going to happen now in our political world is that this shouting at people in political speech places is going to become a thing this this fall season because it's starting to uh, ramp up, right? And so people are going to keep doing it to Biden. It's going to become a mega plan, and then that's going to spiral. And so this, this tactic, yeah, well said, this tactic is going to have to be responded to. Um, and look... I'm not suggesting at all that we should be softies and, you know, um, sort of non-responsive. But as a tactic, fear is a temporary motivator, mm -hmm. but kindness, gentleness, and self-control wins. It's more effective. It's just a better way to do it. Anger, and I'm not saying passion or people getting all fired up, of course, but if you can't root your arguments in passion without that only being anger, then one of the things politicians and all of us and any people in conversations with one another 
have to work on is a range of emotive responses. Mm -hmm. The way that an actor needs to have a variety of places that they can go to for their character you know, response. We just have to get better at being able to care about more things and be able to get passionate about those things so that we can engage. If any good can come from this, and I do think every situation provides the opportunity for some growth and for some goodness and for something to come from it, all this wacko business of Trump, the best thing is it's going to create the need for a lot of us to be more precise in our language, to not always mm -hmm. delve into only the lowest common denominator of passion, which is anger mm -hmm. and victimhood, and to get out of the spiral of heroes, villains, and victims, and to have another piece to the narrative, which is somebody who's going to provide some kind of a solution. But I know that you know between now and November 8th, is, is it like is election day November eighth? I feel like I feel like I knew that. I should, I should look that up. What is the Tuesday in November? Or is it November sixth? Uh, it November 8th? It just it's not feels November like eighth. Nobody should have to question that. That that, well, that maybe question, it is right? November eighth. That, that's something yeah. you just open up your browser. You just yes, yeah, November eighth. So between now and November eighth, um, we're going to be we're we're working in the area by which people are. Uh, needing to be fired up at the lowest level of, of passion. When, when, when I was an athlete uh, in college and in high school and stuff, there would be these times where, you know, our coaches would want to get athletes to dig down deep and, you know, pull out that deep insider passion. And they would come up with some set of, you know, adversarial, uh, uh, situations for us to notice like do you hear the crowd out there they think you can't do this or this team is down talking you or these referees you know just mm -hmm. trying to create some moment of righteousness that you can dig down yeah. deep and that kind of works you know it can, yeah. can kind of pull you out of bulletin, a, out of bulletin a time board out material and, what's that bulletin board material as they say yeah you can you it'll fire you up for the first four minutes of the second half you know, but after that, you kind of need to have another, another set of things, right? You can't keep calling time out and telling people someone's insulting your mama and your, uh, you know, your, your 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 girlfriend's honor is on the line. Like, you know, that just doesn't that just doesn't carry carry the weight all that far. But it is what the political system is made of, mm -hmm. and um, pivoting into what's happened now with this, you know, FBI retrieval of government documents that were being held hostage mm -hmm. by the former failed president. He um, asked for uh, the court to rule on a special master to be able to separate out the documents that were taken that should not have been taken or that the government shouldn't have a right to look at. Feels to some people like it's sort of a loss in the you know, in the microaggression mm -hmm. scorekeeping, people are like, oh no, Trump got a win. That me see, this is what's gonna happen. He's gonna win. Like, this is not about little wins and losses in the public's eye. This is about the Justice mm -hmm. Department slowly plodding along. And if a judge says this is the order that I sign, you have two choices that are legitimate. One is to appeal, and the other is 
to declare it a federal judge order that you're mm -hmm. going to follow. You don't with. get to mm -hmm. say, well, it was a it was a Trump appointed lawyer. Like I hear people on my political side of the aisle doing this all the time now. Like, well, who mm -hmm. was the judge? You know what? That was a bad question when people were saying who was the judge that signed the search warrant. And it's a bad mm -hmm. question when you say who was the judge when they're asking for a special master. You you can't turn the entire judiciary into the pawns of one political mm -hmm. side or the other. If that's what you think has happened, then democracy has already ended in its any recognizable form. I choose mm -hmm. not to believe that's the case. I think it's the least effective argument and people should not be making it, in my view. The yeah. argument we should be making is, oh, if that's the law, then move forward and follow the law. And as we've mm -hmm. said since the start of Old Common Good, if you don't like the laws, change them. And the best way to change the laws is to change the lawmakers. So if this yep. isn't a good law to have, then go through the process of changing the law. But to say, well, I don't think we should follow the law because I don't like the judge who made the ruling. Okay, that is, now that's what an appeals court can do, can mm -hmm. can question the judge's um, verdict. And you could even say, I think the judge got this one wrong, but we're going to follow it. In mm -hmm. fact, that's better than saying the judge got it right, so we're going to follow it. If you really care about how the system works, mm -hmm. then you have to say, look, the power of a federal judge is that if the judge rules, that's the deal, or you appeal it. And you can argue all you want that it was a wrong, wrongly decided, but you don't get to say it was wrongly decided and then actively work against it. So yeah. we're at a point where the decisions we have to make have to be something more than does this one give you a win and keep you fired up and all the rest? Because the other thing we have to remember is the Justice Department is not going to be determining their actions against Donald Trump in this legal matter based on what we all think. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what we think. If the entire country said, I don't think that should be a, a law, if 80% of the country said, I think the law should be different, if 70% of the country, if 60%, if 50, 30, doesn't matter how many said that. That's the law. That's what they're going to follow. So this idea yeah. that, well, oh, people are now going to think that Donald Trump has a defense. The guy should put up a defense, the very best defense you could possibly put up for hoarding documents that don't belong to you and obstructing justice and uh, treating classified information in ways that it shouldn't be treated. For sure, he should have every defense in the world, as any one of us charged with any crime should have the full weight of every defense. What we shouldn't do is get into this, well, it kind of matters what public opinion is and who was the judge. And you, I, you can just see it happening already. It's going down that route. And it's, I, I find it to be uh, very threatening to the well-being of this country if we, if we allow that stuff to happen. There's just a way of being that... Um, that this probe is uh, is uh, bringing to the surface, and yeah, I mean, I I've heard attorneys say it sounds like what this judge ruled on, and her rationale for ruling on it is really problematic. Well, the good thing is, we've been through this before in this country. There's a solution yeah. to wrongly adjudicated questions. Yeah, you appeal it. You know what? It's not. 
us getting all worked up about it. That's yeah. the, the court of public opinion doesn't have a vote on this. There is a process by which it can be followed. Um, and uh, and look, we're in I we're would, in unusual I would moments say this, here Doug, because I, a I just, singular I character would, did a singularly bad thing, which is going to bring a singularly uh, peculiar response from the from the judicial system. Yeah, would you say this? A Trump appointed judge makes a bad decision. That doesn't come as a surprise, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> look, uh, look um, I, I have been uh, aware of, around, and affected by judge decisions. I am nowhere close to being Pollyannish about this in thinking that if you've become a judge at any level, yeah, that somehow that's because you have a level of legal and civic wisdom. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of ways people become judges. The qualifications of a judge, unfortunately, is not part of the system by which we determine if we follow them or not. There mm -hmm. are really good judges appointed by all manners, really good judges that have been elected. There are really good judges that were appointed for life. And the opposite of that is also true. There is just no yeah. rhyme nor reason to judges and judges' rulings and all the rest of it. Um, but is it possible that the way the Republicans were vetting and, and moving forth judges into judge seats is that you're going to have some judges that are going to feel like the, the work in front of them is serious and significant? Yep, that's, uh, that's for sure true. But that's what we got. Those are our judges. Like that's that's it. And yep. this is the thing that well, yeah. This is elections what our have consequences. Is they sure do. They sure do. And and these and these are the powers. So I just want to encourage anybody that's feeling like oh, there's little you know, there's the reality television nonsense of the daily news cycle. And for the next mm -hmm. twelve weeks, we're going to see a lot of movement happening on this little micro wins, little micro losses, little um, moments that can make somebody feel like things are off the rails or things are going all right. Just do all you can to set that stuff aside because it's yep. just not, It's first of all, it's not good for your spirit. It's not good for your heart. It's not good for your emotions to be bounced around like this. Like worry about the things that actually matter. And there are some things that, that actually mm -hmm. matter and some things that you should have some concern about. And I'm not telling anybody how to manage their anxiety, but I would suggest worrying about if Trump has a legal defense shouldn't be one of those. Of course, he's yeah. going to have a legal defense that's going to be brought. And anybody who thought, oh, no, now the special master has been appointed, so now tr charges against Trump aren't going to be brought before November 8th. They're not bringing charges before November 8th. <laughs> They were never. Right. They were never bringing charges before November eighth. Partly because they, no. it would just be they're not cool crazy. Hard. What's, what's the point? And secondly, this Justice Department has shown they're methodically and slowly moving through a series of things. Do, do you remember yep. Rob back when a lot of us were wondering why the Justice Department wasn't already jumping on the January sixth uh, information? Yep. And there was like, hey, the congressional hearings are pulling up all this data. How come the Justice Department 
isn't mm-hmm. in on this? How come they're not, not pulling this up? I have a little theory on that. And my theory is they knew that they were working on this. Mm-hmm. This had been coming for a while. They knew back in yeah. January of 2020, of 2022, that there was an issue going on down at the and they were going to make sure this stuff sort of got its structure together before they turned people to start working on some on other crimes that Trump is likely to have committed. And mm-hmm. they were trying to, in my view, they were trying to uh, stage the, put these in stages of yep. engagement. And there's other things that the Justice Department has going on. Like, if the Justice Department had their way, we wouldn't have known what went on here with this with this search. Right? Maybe it would have even been kept quiet. But I can't imagine they they would have thought that a bunch of you know FBI yeah. agents showing up at a public a public you know facility like Mar-a-Lago was going to be kept kept quiet. But it could have stayed under the under the radar. We have no idea what else they have going on, what other grand juries they're looking to impanel, mm-hmm. what other investigations they have going on. We don't know anybody who's already flipped. You just don't, we don't know any of this stuff. So to get too wound up about anything in the media, especially, oh, I thought we had Trump again and he's going to again get away with it. Just, yep. I was about to say, don't let your hearts be troubled. But don't let your hearts be troubled about that stuff because yep. um, the amount that we don't know is all of it. All of yeah. the, what we don't know, that's that's the majority, the greatest majority. The part we do know is teeny, a teeny, teeny amount that we know. And you're like, but this is horribly bad. Oh yeah. If this is bad, then this, oh, this is this is off the hook. This is off the hook bad. Yeah. I mean, this guy is in so much trouble. And uh and yep. the reason he's not going to run for office in in November of 2024 is because there's going to be a plea bargain around some of these crimes and included in that plea bargain is that he will be banned from holding federal office. That he's not going to go to jail and be in a prison cell. There's going to be other consequences to some plea bargain that's going to come. You know, most federal crimes are pled out for a reason. And this guy is definitely going to plead out to some crime He's going to attest to something that he did that was illegal. Part of the consequence of that is that he's not going to be able to hold federal office anymore. And then a series of other things. Mm-hmm. That's how it's going to go. So uh, in my view, I mean, I'm, I'm predicting. So we, we can yeah. mark, you know, September 6, 2022, uh, this is how it's going to go. But the idea that this former president is going to go to trial, he's not going to be in trial. There's not going to be a, tr- they're going to find 12 jurors to sit over this case. That is not how these kinds of crimes <laughs> go. That, that's, that's just not how, look, any of them, look at any of the, what's going on with my camera? Any of the obstruction mm-hmm. of justice charges, any of the, uh, people treating classified information in certain ways. Just go ahead and look at any of those that have been that have been prosecuted. They can have a trial about this. Right. What you're going to have is charges and an immediate negotiation of what do we do about these charges. That's what you do. That and Absolutely. that's how it's going to go. So uh, yeah. anyway. So for anybody who's like, oh, I really want to see him in in cuffs. Okay, yeah, but that, but vengefulness yeah. is not a very good uh, uh, 
pursuit of justice. I mean, there's there's old there's old phrases and lots of uh, traditions and religions about that. That vengeance is just that just doesn't serve anyone well. It doesn't doesn't feel as good as you think it's going to feel, and uh, that's not how anyone's going to let this go in this country. Is president going to prison like a common criminal? Yep. Yeah, we're not going to get a presidential perp walk. No. So it's going to be wholly dissatisfying to a to a group of people. And those who say, well, why, why would this man experience something different than anyone else? I think that's exactly how anybody else who's in a position of authority. The, the guy that you mentioned, Rob, who got 10 years for assaulting the police mm -hmm. officers, he's the one in the videos pulling down the, the masks and hitting them and plunging them with a pole. That guy. The mandatory minimum sentence for this for what he's was convicted of the low end was 17 years and the judge downgraded to 10 based on the fact that the man was a military veteran and a new york police officer now i think that should have increased the charges right but this is what happens this stuff what did the person do? How have they lived their life? What public service have they performed? Those become weights on the on the the side for sentencing. What else yep. have they done? What kind of threat are they? Yata, 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 yata. When you get to Donald Trump, that kind of thing is also going to be in play. Mm -hmm. And because he was the president, we've never had a convicted felon who was a president. So how much weight on the sentencing side, does that get a lot? That's my mm -hmm. point. And the idea that, well, no one's above the law, you know, I've made this point before. If you're a diplomat from another country and you come to the United States and you commit a crime, you're not held under the United States laws. So yeah, there are people in this country, living in this country, for whom the laws are not equally applied to the rest of us because of a certain set of conditions. That's right. That's those are the those are the laws. Those are the rules. So here in this case, how much weight do you put on a former president for downgrading punishment? A friggin' lot. That's how much. Mm -hmm. I don't want that to be the case. But you know, look, if they if they find crimes that George W. Bush has committed, or that Bill Clinton committed, or that Barack Obama committed, or you know later that that Joe Biden committed, yeah, they're going to take a lot of things into consideration, including the fact that you were a duly elected president of the United mm -hmm. States and, and, and that. And, and what good does it serve the country? Because the whole purpose of law is not to punish. The purpose of the law is to try to restore some sense of justice. So what's in the government's best interest? Well, Donald Trump being in prison mm -hmm. likely won't be. Donald Trump never again being able to put the country in a place of, of harm. Peril, peril. That's a good word. In a place of peril, that's a good one. Yeah, take it. <laughs> so prepare yourself for the idea that maybe there's a fine, but how do you find a guy that's broke? I mean, it just is. It's just right. useless. Just his debtors. I mean, what the Deutsche Bank is again going to have to fork up, you know, a hundred million dollars so that Trump can just give it to somebody and never pay him back? I don't know how that's all going to go, um, but. You take any of these, and what you're going to end up with is probably some kind of a bundling of crimes that all go into a singular action. That the, mm -hmm. you know, Merrick Garland is probably like 
for all the reasons I wish I was on the Supreme Court, one of those is so that I didn't have to be the attorney general during this period of time where we have to we have to decide mm-hmm. which of the crimes of the former president do I do I pursue. But I could imagine them bundling all of them together into a whole series of plea deals and that with uh, certain admissions and certain agreements, all of this is then satisfied from the view of the government. Yes. That's how it's yeah. going to go. So, yep. so all the people that are like, I thought Donald Trump was going to be in jail by November 8th. And I know people who thought that. They thought Donald Trump would be arrested and being held in incarceration before the election in the fall. That's not going to happen. That's never going to happen. Um, he's not even going to be under house arrest. It's just going to be a series of kind of like David Petraeus, the other Republican hero, who was also somebody who used documents for his own purpose, you know, secret documents for his own purpose, and is not nearly the hero that people thought that he was. He didn't go to jail for that, but there's a whole lot of things he doesn't get to do. A whole lot of pun. In fact, for him, when they didn't send him to jail, part of the rationale was his reputational damage is already punishment enough. Yep. So th- this is uh this this is how it's going to go. So to all the Trump supporters who are afraid that you know they don't want to see their man in jail, even though I heard a commentator, a Republican commentator say Donald Trump will be the presidential nominee even if he has to give his acceptance speech from a jail cell. The oh, Republicans totally will agree. still will still nominate the guy. Um mm-hmm. Now what would be awesome is if he became the nominee and then had a uh, had a plea deal by which he couldn't hold a federal office and then yeah. <laughs> all thing falls apart again. So I mean the how how this whole thing can go because we are clearly in an uncharted uncharted waters and uh mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of punishments that 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 are available for this. Um it's just not a lot of things that you get to to get to do. All right, you got anything else on this political we didn't even talk about the actual elections, but you know no. how Massachusetts you, how is voting today. Really? Anything yeah. there people need to be paying attention to? Is Steve Kornacki going to yeah. be at the big board? Is uh, the guy in CNN? By the way, we should talk sometime hey. about CNN going conservative. What do you think of that? Yeah. You heard this? Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Crazy. What are they? They, want, yeah. they literally want no one to watch. I mean, between their <laughs> evening lineup and now this, like they just want to get the last four people watching CNN to not, to not watch CNN any longer. Oh, that's just really nice. Yeah. All right, but anybody, anything else we need to talk about as far as elections go? Things people need to keep an eye out for? Nope. All right, well, I hope I you didn't jam on your schedule too much. I hope you didn't have to set too much aside to go a little extra time today. All right, Dan, anything else we got on the uh, uh, from the chat? No, it was a great active chat, though. But we've got a great show tomorrow. We've got uh, the filmmakers behind the film uh, Postcards from Babylon. And so it it's, uh, it's a good conversation about you know, Christian nationalism and how it kind of came to be and what people are doing about it. So great conversation. Tomorrow. Are they going to, are, are we going to show any footage from it? Like a, uh, a famous singer singing a song that weaves his way <laughs> through the show? Yeah. Full disclosure. I, I appear in the film. So <laughs> yeah, Dan's, a, Dan's nice. a documentary star. So, all right. That good, Rob? Anything more? That's good. See everybody tomorrow. All right. All of you. Thanks. Bye.